It's the lens, it's the lens, it's the lens, gotta live diverse. It's the lens, it's the lens, it's the lens, live diverse. You are listening to The Lens Living Diverse, a podcast brought to you by the CNIB Advocacy Team. Join Nisha and I as we talk to guests with intersecting identities along with sight loss as they share the unique stories. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Lens. I am one of your hosts, Ben, along with my co-hosts. Hey, everyone, this is Nisha. And today we're going to have an excellent episode, Nisha. I'm, I'm very excited for this episode. You want to know why? Why are you excited? Uh, I'm excited because, Noah, you know we're in June. It's Pride Month. And actually, today's episode, we're going to have two special guests that are, are going to take over today. We're yes. going to relinquish the, the, the holds on the lens today. Yes, we're going to have two amazing representatives of the LGBTQ community, Terry Lynn and Lucy. We're going to have a dynamic and wonderful conversation about their experiences. And in honor of Pride Month, I think this would be a great episode for the community to listen to. I agree. Okay, so Lucy and Terry Lynn, we're going to hand it off to you. And yeah, like, I'm very excited to hear about your experiences. Thank you so much, Ben. And we're recording during Lesbian Visibility Week. So this is fantastic. April, between April 25th and May 1st. Hey, Lucy? Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, this is fantastic. We've got to hit two birds, one stone, one week with recording. And then the week that we're releasing is about LGBTQ stuff. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Yeah, happy pride. It's going to be happy pride. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, we're going to start celebrating right now. I'm going to just like be so tired by the time it gets to June. I'm just like, well, I guess. (laughs) So Lucy, I I was just a a little curious about your um, coming out story. Well, for me, it's, I think it would be a multiple of coming out. So my name's Lucy. I go by she, her pronouns. Um, I identify as queer, so um, so I get a queer um, bisexual, I would say, would be my first guess on that one. Um, initially, when I came out, I was like, well, I am not straight. I just knew that I wasn't straight. And so I came out a few times <laughs> um, in different scenarios. Um, so I was born in St. Lucia, so in the Caribbean, um, and it's not super, it's not super, um, open to the LGBTQ folks. However, I was quite lucky in the fact that I grew up in a pretty supportive household in general. Um, So I didn't have as many of the barriers to possibly coming out as maybe some other folks might have had. Um, And so the first time I came out was basically with my partner at the time. Um, It was just kind of like, well, oh, by the way, this is my girlfriend, mom, and she, and it at the time, she was not super, like, I think the initial, her initial concern was about my safety, um, mm-hmm. and which is very reasonable. At the time, I didn't see it that way. I was like, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't want to, you don't want, you don't want to share in my joy, get, I don't, I don't want 
this. Like, I want you, I want you to just be happy for me. Um, eventually, I did recognize that it was about like where she was coming from in her because it's illegal in Saint Lucia, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there is still, the laws are still the same. Exactly, you can yeah. definitely go to jail for being um. Or mm-hmm. for be, for being out in the sh- like out. Um, I think for it is, lesbians it's a little different, right? Is it is it? It's still shunned upon, but it's not. It's illegal, not, right? But exactly. for men, you can go to jail. For men, you definitely can yeah. go to jail. For women, it's a little bit more of a gray area. You can be shunned, and you can um, be refused access to certain resources. Mm-hmm. So I do know, like, um, if you are either open or if they suspect that you are not a straight person then you are you you are sometimes like denied access to certain resources like even jobs or anything like that um i i know of folks who have not been able to get like um loans for cars or anything like that because of their because of their how they identify and they wouldn't obviously they won't put that on the piece of paper that hey by the way you're not getting this because you're not straight but it is it is a matter like it is definitely understood like sort of like hey yeah this person lost the job because someone found out that their partner was not um a cis person mm-hmm. from the other part of the community like for, like a hetero person so your and mom so, had legitimate concerns <laughs> exactly yeah yeah now as an adult i'm like you i guess i wasn't super great about handling it but then again who is at a, as a 16 year old exactly. i can't imagine i mean i i think we've kind of worked worked past it so it's not like me and my mom are good now but like at the time i was like I didn't speak to her for like a couple weeks after that mm-hmm. and that's very hard considering we lived in the same house and she drove me to school every day um yeah. so that was a bit of a tumultuous time in our relationship but in general um like I think um when I moved to Canada I feel like she started to realize like oh well yeah there are options for my daughter like she's not going to end up having to be um fully isolated because of this mm-hmm. um and so I think she became a little bit more able to accept it and because like I think every parent like I'm not a I'm not a parent but like I, I do like every parent just like wants what's best for their kids and sometimes that might not look like what they think is best for them but um now I think we've definitely moved past it it's really good it's nice and healthy um she's just mostly concerned like well um now you're done with school why don't I have any grandkids or like why I'm not currently I'm not in a relationship I'm single now and so she's just like that's her primary concern at this point (laughs) so yeah in terms of coming out I would consider that relationship the most important one in terms of like how how I identify because as much as like I like I was a Sunday school teacher as well so like in in the in most churches in St. Lucia um you can't obtain leadership roles as a woman in general um so that's so that there is a little bit of just like general misogyny there but um uh it wasn't something so so yeah so there was a couple of layers of things and so when I moved to Canada it became a lot easier for us to like navigate that relationship um and then it didn't really it wasn't it never really came up again because generally speaking I feel like my parents are like unless there's like um like a marriage proposal they like we don't 
we don't need to know what you guys are doing <laughs> like we don't need in terms of are you good doing well in school then I guess that's fine and that's even with my um siblings so it's, it's not it doesn't feel like I'm being called out or anything like that because my mm -hmm. because like I feel like with, with even with my siblings they're, they're like we don't need to meet like we will meet them we'll have dinner and stuff but like we're not in your relationship <laughs> like they um and for them even they literally like my dad was like I only met your mom's dad when I was basically sure that we were getting married like we were getting married like he was like I only met them like basically the day before the wedding night and that was <laughs> and that was uh, and, and that's kind of just how they navigated the world so I was like well I guess this is fine I guess this is fine that they're not super big part of my romantic relationships but they are part of my life in general so that's kind of my coming out story I know that's not really anything because <laughs> it's like multiple different times um but yeah I'm pretty sure my parents were not maybe not suspicious but like certain that I wasn't straight from quite a young age by like six or seven um uh because I was I was just more comfortable like I like I presented more um masculine I would say for a little bit as well like I was like a tomboy um my sister's the same as well like well she's a quite a much she's a, she was a tomboy like as growing up like mm -hmm. we were always hanging out and, and stuff and just being unnecessary but it wasn't like a whole thing like my sister's straight um so they weren't surprised yeah exactly so it wasn't like a <laughs> shocker it was just like oh okay well yeah and then yeah and so now I feel like I'm pretty comfortable saying that I'm like not straight but I would not say that I'm like I'm open to most things is what I should say okay. yeah yeah okay okay I know with me um and, it's, and I love how you took it back because I totally forgot about the whole, hi, my name is Terry Lynn and I'm an Afro-Indigenous person who self-identifies within the 2SLGBTQ community. I go by pronouns she, her, and I self-identify as a lesbian. And um, I came out, I guess, 20 years ago and in my, I guess in my 30s. So I came out a little bit later and it was... Uh, different I think growing up for sure there wasn't that option or opportunity so whether I was just kind of curious growing up or I mean I was definitely a tomboy definitely um, it, uh, liked playing out in the streets and more activity I wasn't a doll kind of person I didn't play with a lot of dolls um, but I, I mean I don't know if that makes you a lesbian if you know what exactly. I mean it's like, yeah, know, I don't like, like dolls I don't like dolls I'm not really that's not for me but um you know, and, and for sure, experimenting as a young person that, that, you know, for sure was taboo kind of behavior growing up. Um, did I self-identify as a lesbian then? No. Um, again, just growing up in that environment, it's not like today where there there is more of an option um, and a little bit more freedom and definitely a lot more knowledge around being 2SLGBTQ plus so um but when i came out it was when i was in university and uh i you know i was learning a lot in university about different power dynamics and sexuality and how everything is socially constructed and it just um 
and I remember, I guess, my, you know, first encounter experience with, with a woman, and it just changed everything for me. I just, everything just kind of fell into place, and um, I just knew, I just knew. It was kind of like that episode in Grey's Anatomy, where in Grey's Anatomy, uh, one of the characters, um, I guess, came out, and then as she was getting ready to leave, uh, she had identify you know shared the story about how you know I guess being with another woman was kind of like prior to that she was looking outside the window and there was just you know green blobs and she was just looking at on the bus looking outside the window and just seeing green blobs go by knowing that they're you know trees and then it's like have, putting on glasses and then all of a sudden she realized oh, these are leaves with, you know, drops of water on them. And that's what it was sort of like for me. It was just like all of a sudden everything became clear and I, I didn't realize. So, I mean, prior to that, uh, my relationships with men were, you know, were, were completely fine. But when I, you know, came out, it was just, but and my family, funny enough, they weren't surprised at all, which I was shocked that they weren't surprised. I think because they knew I was in feminist studies. Um, I think that they attributed to that. And plus I am, they always think I'm opinionated. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> they're like, you're opinionated. And I'm like, no, I just, um, you know, it's social justice issues and we're talking about these things, but yeah. So I think that because I, really had a strong belief in social justice issues. And as I was learning more within, um, you know, women's studies and just learning more about myself, I started to, again, like I said, learn more about social justice issues and power relationships. And it just made, you know, more sense to me. And my family were completely fine. And my mom did ask me, you know, was there something that I did wrong? And then I said, no, I said, not at all. And, you know, I guess it's, still sort of rooted in that kind of taboo but then uh, very quickly she started to realize that this is just kind of a you know it's it's a normal way of life and I I know that her friend her close friend at the time um, was also gay and so I think they had a lot of conversations and she was more at my mother's age and so it, I think she helped my mom to understand as well that this was just you know, that, that she didn't do anything wrong. And <clears throat> I think the thing that really bothered me the most was I had some friends growing up because I'm estranged from my father's side of the family. So my black Afro indigenous side of the family, I'm also, I'm Mohawk. And because we're estranged from that side, people would say, oh, you know, you're a lesbian because you didn't have your father's upbringing. And that really used to bother me a lot. And it still does bother me to think that, you know, my mom and my upbringing was enough for me. I didn't, I didn't miss, you don't miss what you don't have. And then I, and I do have to be honest, um, I did, there were, there was, you know, a few men as my mom was dating men that kind of went into that father figure role. So, I mean, one person in particular I'm thinking of who um, has been around for my whole entire life. Um, I guess it just really bothered me that um, they attributed my, me being a lesbian to some kind of trauma or some kind of neglect, you know? 
but um, I guess outside of that, I, I, um, my coming out story isn't that exciting. <laughs> I think I struggled a little bit more with the, with the vision loss and trying to adapt in that space and trying to fight for equity in that area. And that was more of where my focus was as I was um, going to university, trying to make my way financially being independent and, and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. No, that makes that makes sense. Like it always, they always are like, well, it must be because your dad's not around. And so therefore, uh, this is why you're like, you're, uh, but like, I grew up with both my parents, and maybe like a whole bunch of uncles and aunts and uh, like a pretty strong sense of like my family identity and stuff. And I can tell you for a fact that that did not make a difference. As to <laughs> how how I identify um sexually I feel like that was something I was like I still not I'm still not straight guys like this is and yeah. I think that's kind of why it was easier for my dad to accept because he was just like well I did it I did the thing I was <laughs> I was present and so he was a lot more able to kind of like um and then also, also, I feel like my, my dad's maybe a little less self-involved than most moms are. Like, I feel like moms are just like, but was it me? Like, did I? Did <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did think I it's like a self, I think it's like a, it's a microaggression when they're trying to find out reasons why you, they've, they've already identified that it's something wrong or something like I said, like a taboo. That's why they're exactly. trying to figure out what, well, what was can it we exactly? Fix, and then can it's we all, fix this? Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's more about <laughs> trying to like, oh yeah, because this is a problem, right? And so now we need to find a solution. And it's like, well, maybe it's just different. Maybe that's enough. Like, shouldn't that just be the um, the point in which we're starting from? If we're coming from a place where we think it's a problem, and obviously then we're going to try to find out where it started, the root cause of this problem. Meanwhile, if you're just coming from it from a place of like, hey, this is just like a different experience, or this is just a, one way of navigating a very, like admittedly quite small part of your life, I feel like, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like in terms of like, in the grand scheme of things, um, I find that a lot of my relationships, like my friendships and all of that stuff, like not to say that romantic relationships aren't important and definitely a lot of my social groups tend to be part of the queer community, but it's all, it's always very strange to me when people are like, well, this is, this is a thing that we can like try to fix. Right. Cause it's a, mm -hmm. uh, it's like, well, not really. Cause it's like not even that big of a deal. <laughs> like it's actually so, um, like in terms of the things that I do on a day-to-day -day basis I feel like it's such a small part of it which is part of the reason I'm like coming out is should it like I definitely understand the the fear and the concern and the issues in coming out in certain environments if you don't feel like that if you know that there's not safety and anything into like physically and emotionally mm -hmm. and you don't you know you don't have the support coming from otherwise but also I, I I'm just like well it's I feel like it's not even that big of a deal <laughs> like in terms of all the things that could be a more concern yeah my vision loss was definitely a bigger deal than um I was just that. gonna ask you that in <laughs> yes, terms go. of like acceptance and support from family society uh between sexual orientation and vision loss, what stood out for you 
as a, I believe you said you were, were you a high partially sighted person when you came out? Yeah. So like, um, it, when I came out, I hadn't, I didn't have a diagnosis as yet. Okay. Um, and so like I had come out when I was, I guess, 40, 16, 17. So like it was with my first like real relationship sort of thing. Um, and that's when I was out. Um, but I got my um, diagnosis, like my official diagnosis when I turned 22. Um, and so it was a little bit after that. Um, in terms of, I felt like, okay, so initially when I got my vision loss diagnosis, it was actually a bit of a relief for me. Um, mm. In like, I literally, like I've been unpacking this, like, it's like, why is it so, like, I feel like, uh, in terms of all the things like I understand like people find it a very difficult to start using a cane and all of that mm -hmm, stuff mm -hmm. and and for me I was not in that position because I was like something is wrong <laughs> something you is couldn't wrong identify what what it was exactly like I was but just... how did your partners respond to because between 16 and 22 there was something happening but both of you didn't know yeah, exactly so like um it, with the relationship that I started at 16, so that went until I was 23, 20, yeah, 23, about, yeah, how old am I now? What is time? <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. that what relationship, time? yeah, <laughs> that relationship broke down, not because of my vision loss or anything, but just because we were in, like, different places in our lives at the end of it. But, like, in terms of, like, um, the vision loss bit, it was just, like, Honestly, initially, it was just, like, nice to have somebody who was, like, oh, yeah, I still care about you. I still love you. I still want this to be a thing. Um, and I think the issue was mostly with me because I was just, like, I don't, I don't want to be this person who has to be taken care of yeah, yeah. for the rest of my life. And then, and, and then for them, because they had... Um, they had had some experience with disability, like they lived in, in like um, foster care systems and stuff. And so, and they had had the experience of living and helping and supporting folks with disabilities as well. Okay. Um, and so they were like, dude, this is literally like, I was born for this. <laughs> like, I, this is what I do. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, that's not what this was though. Like, I, I always felt like I needed to keep the two separate. Like, I was like, I don't want... It's like, oh, okay. So this we is part of who you are, but it's not all of who you are. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're looking for your own independence and to be seen as a person as a whole. And yeah, I, I, I totally understand. When I, yeah. when I came out, I was a high partially sighted person, um, like I said, in my 30s. And it was a different environment. And I met some people who, and, and it's funny because coming out wasn't a big deal to me. Like I said, it was just more coping with the vision loss and the assistive devices and getting access to accommodations and even working through my own things around accommodations because it's, um, you know, when you're trying to work to get access to accommodations and you know there's dollar amounts to it for school and for work, you've you're working through all those feelings of guilt and or feeling like a burden and you're still working trying to better understand what human rights are what what do I have um, rights to right and you're you're learning all of that as a person with a disability as you're acquiring one or as you're trying to integrate into the world and then with um, partners when I came out I just I didn't um, 
that was the least of my worries. I, I had more important things to worry about, like how am I going to financially um, become independent? How am I going to get through school? And those were more important things to me. And then as I was dating people, uh, I didn't seem I didn't have uh, too much of an issue that way. I was still going out to bars and clubs and dancing. And because I was a high partially sighted person, I was still able to be very independent. I just had to look at things more closely or recognizing people at a, at a closer um, distance. But when um, meeting some people, some people would flat out tell me, oh, I can't, I couldn't date somebody with vision loss. And so I just automatically, I said, okay, well, thanks for the heads up. You know, I still love myself, <laughs> you know, and I carry on. Yeah, that definitely happens. Um, I, do you think that, because you, you said you were high partial, so like, were you like a cane user before that or? You wouldn't not? know. Yeah, when I, yeah, when I was a high partial, you wouldn't even know I had vision loss. I, and, and in fact, I'd have to sometimes convince people that I had vision loss. Like, no, Which I, is, yeah. oh my gosh, exhausting. Yeah. That sounds like the worst thing. I feel like that's also part of it where you're just like, you're spending half of your day just trying to convince someone that, that which is part of the reason I feel like having a diagnosis was so helpful to me. Cause I was like, oh yeah, give me the canes. Give me anything. Like, do you want yeah. the life? Take it. take it, take it all. Let's do it. And this. then other people can identify what's going on. I think exactly. the only way people knew is if they started to hang around me more more then they could see you know that I obviously had issues right or not issues but I mean I obviously had vision loss yeah so, but like you were just you were just navigating in a different way like you were maybe a yeah. bit more hesitant and stuff and were doing certain things or just and and that's another thing it was just like because I like before my diagnosis I was living alone mostly I like my partner had like they were in a different city and so we are just seeing each other like on weekends and stuff. And so it was just like, oh yeah, I guess it's just not something that you would notice for a bit, mm -hmm. right? So you're just kind of navigating the world. And so that bit was just like more- When you say, sorry, go ahead, yeah. Oh, no, no, go for it. No, I was gonna say, I'm sorry, it, because it popped immediately into my mind, being on Church Street, um, going down uh, down uh, downtown and in, it, when I was visiting Church Street, it was very much um, that stereotypical kind of, you know, butch dyke femme kind of, you know, sporty girl stereotype, which I'm so happy that it's not like that now for people coming up. I know that there's other stereotypes that are happening that we have to fight against or advocate against rather. Um, but when I used to go to the bars, it would be one, they didn't recognize that I had vision loss. And mm -hmm. two, they'd look at me and they'd say, you know, they'd be hostile towards me. And so until I was, um, you know, if I frequented there enough, then they weren't as hostile, but people were hostile towards me and they'd come up to me and say, are you gay or straight? You know, and <laughs> it's just like, wow. Okay. That's th oh my days. And you see, oh, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's shocking, but also not shocking because I'm just like, yeah, of course, that's how it would be because it would just be like, like a lot of the times, like even to this day, I mean, it's a lot different. Like if I am with a friend or if I am with a partner, or if I'm on a date or something, often they would be like, oh, like, oh, yeah, this is my girlfriend. Oh, you mean, oh, yeah, your friend, your girlfriend. OK, cool. And it just kind of like, yeah. it's like, no, this is like my romantic partner. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it feels like you have to set a lot of different kinds of boundaries, especially because if you're doing sighted guide or something like that, often people are like, well, it's just because they're blind. Okay, that's an answer enough for them. And that's yeah, only for- safe when you're in a in an area where there's hate crimes and you know you feel dangerous and being, you know, being with your partner as a person with vision loss, then that's a positive because you can be hand in hand, arm in arm or hold hands and they're automatically just going to think that you're you know, you need assistance. So, yeah, you need help. Exactly. (laughs) I feel like that was kind of the big benefits of being in St. Lucia and then having the actual diagnosis was because I would just basically uh, use the hat as a (laughs) sort of like, oh, wait, what do you mean? No, this is hiding behind my cane for the first time. (laughs) Exactly. Which is not something that I think you can really do in very many other communities where you can use your cane as kind of like a bit of an armor. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but like for me, it was more difficult be like, I hadn't like, um, cause I, I was in a smaller town, like I was in like in a smaller town in Ontario. Um, and so I wasn't really um, super, like, I, I knew my queer friends, I knew my gay and lesbian friends, like, I knew those people, but, like, I wasn't really exposed to, like, the wider community until, mm-hmm. like, until, like, maybe even now I would say that I still don't have as much, um, but that could be, like, I, I feel like sometimes that might be as a result of, like, I would say that that would be more with the blackness versus the vision loss piece because I just I don't often feel like I am welcome in a lot of those LGBTQ spaces Mm -hmm. um as a person of color but that but then that's also sometimes I realize like I was like that might just be in my head which is doesn't mean it's not real it just means that it is more like internalized stuff that I I can unpack and then then it's fine. I don't but, think um, I think I think you're right. I think it's internal, but it's also external. I wouldn't discount what you're feeling or because I felt sort of that way in both. And then being in the 2SLGBT community in Toronto, you do have to find the pockets. Like um, there's, you know, when I came out, I was in, you know, the mainstream on church, but then I also came into um, the black to us LGBT community and oh, I can't remember that bar that people used to go to and then they also had pop-ups so it was a little bit harder for us I feel in my view um, because we didn't always have the main spot oh there was that place um so I can't remember what it's called there was one place on church that we used to go upstairs it's going to come back to me and we used to go there a lot but when that place closed down or it, it was like we had one or two places to go to and there were a lot of pop-ups. And for me, Please. I wasn't yeah. in the, when I was in the community, I would, I've been in and out of the community, um, I guess, different periods of my life. When I, when I was dating this woman who uh, was on a ball team for, for five years, I was in the community. We were always on church street, always doing fundraising. We were always in the, in the um, lesbian community. So we were known, right? And then other times where I've been with partners where we're living our life outside of the community and occasionally visit, you know? And, but there is definitely a, a, a different places that you can go to be, because when I went to the black to us LGBT dances. I was just like, yeah, this is my music, people. And I just felt, you know, a different type of freedom and just like, yeah, it was, 
I, I use the analogy of, oh, I was thirsty and I didn't even realize I needed that glass of water, you know? Oh and my gosh. I love it, that. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, this is, I feel so at home now, you know? And then that's, but it was pop-ups. So I, I felt like it's really too bad that it wasn't more, um, maybe more funding or I don't know what it is because it must've been, I'm presuming like a financial thing because yeah. I yeah. believe that there should be a community, right? Like I, I would hate to see church street gone because I believe in, um, in, for sure, inclusion everywhere. And we should be able to go to gay-friendly places everywhere. But I also believe that that coming out for me, going to Church Street, being amongst people that I felt a freedom with and, and I could, I don't know, it just meant something to me. And I love all my memories of um, meeting people and yes, partying and having fun, but it was really about feeling part of a community that um, I'm not sure I guess where people are getting that now, maybe social media, I'm not sure. That's the thing, right? Like for me, I felt like, yeah, like there was a lot of like smaller bits on or something like a pop-up, right? Yeah. Where you feel like there is like one, like a one event, maybe every couple months or something. And then with me, I felt like I was like, well, I guess it's just not like it's just not a thing and then I would meet somebody who would be like yeah dude I don't know I like you've been on the rock I don't know how you don't know that there's this one random place that you can go to and then they were like oh, yeah well it's only open on Wednesdays and Saturdays <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm like what do you mean Wednesday like in the middle of the week like, they're like yeah Wednesday I gotta get up for work in the morning you <laughs> exactly know? Like, exactly I was like Wednesdays they're like yeah because that's when that's when you they have the space, right? Like, it's just like a matter of that kind of thing. And then those places have been really pretty great for me. But like, honestly, I haven't really been out in and about in the community for like at least the last 18 months, I would say. Um, Especially well, during the pandemic. Right, right, exactly. Like, you're just like, oh, I guess this isn't a thing. Um, I, guess I'll just, <laughs> I guess I'll just be inside for a little bit here. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just like, oh, I guess it's just not, um, obviously it's not safe. And at first it wasn't safe. And then it was like, now it's like, people are just like, I don't know if anyone's, like everyone's just doing their own sort of thing, right? And I feel mm -hmm. like often, like when you're in a relationship, it's a lot easier to kind of like navigate that kind of stuff because then you just, you're not doing it by yourself. You have but, a buddy system, sighted guide, someone exactly. who's telling you, oh, there's so-and-so and you can be social and free and um, yeah. And then if you go by yourself, it's a different thing, especially when you've got a cane, because I think people aren't as open to come up to you um, when you've got a cane. When you have a yeah. disability, it's something different. And then for me, I found now that I'm a little bit older, <laughs> as I'm 26 now, <laughs> I'm 26 years old now. No, but as I'm older, I'm not frequent. I mean, I, I go to church, I go to the patio and, you know, but I'm not going to those clubs anymore. Or I might go with a friend for a little bit and then leave. I'm not, I'm not hanging out there. Um, so they, they don't, I, you know, I need to start 
I'm joining places where there's activity and programs. So I might do something with sports or um, I'm less doing that kind of clubbing, clubbing thing. I'll leave that to to the younger people. So I started doing, um, you know, drag. I was a captain of a dragon boat team, a few dragon boat teams, um, two SLGBTQ. That was just a a great way for dragon boating. Oh my days, Terry. You've lived a very interesting life. I feel like this is news to me. Oh my god, it's so much fun. I have to tell you. So it's okay. So when we did um the blind and partially sighted dragon boating, I joined that. I was already doing uh, tandem cycling because I needed to stay in shape. I'm very much into sports, staying shape, but as you lose your vision, of course, you gotta constantly shift gears in terms of maintaining the sports and the physical activity Mm -hmm. because. I mean, when I was younger, I played basketball and volleyball and floor hockey and baseball. But of course, vision goes, you've got to shift. And I've been very fortunate that um, I kept doing that as my vision started decreasing. I tried to find other ways to to maintain activity and recreation. And so I was already doing the trail uh, trailblazers and um, I was strongly encouraged to do that. Loved it. But I thought, oh. I'm just moving my legs. I'm like a river dancer here. I want want to use my whole body, you know, and as people with vision loss, we don't have an opportunity to really be free in our movements because we're always afraid of, we have to be safe. And we also don't want to knock over wine glasses, which I did a lot of when I first lost my vision. (laughs) Get cups with lids, cups with lids. (laughs) Yeah, until I guess that's a thing that we could do, uh, wine glasses with lids. But then I started using doing um, dragon boating for people with vision loss. And then as I got uh, more confident with it and in my paddle and my stroke and um, physically just getting to a phys- physical fitness, that's when I, um, it's funny, our, our coach then said, oh, I've always thought about starting up a 2SLGBTQ um, team. I said, I'm in, I'll help you, I'll do it. And so I did that for a few years. I did it within the uh, blind community, the vision loss community. And then also I did it, you know, within um, just the, uh, the church, church down street, uh, downtown. So I was part of the uh, pride uh, dragon boat team. That was a, a women's group. So I was a captain yeah. for, that for two yeah, years. Yeah, because I've definitely seen that before. And I was like, holy, so that's you. That's where you are. Mm. Like, your, your fitness level is above mine, above and beyond. I did I did three days of like um, soccer size like two weekends ago, and I'm still feeling it in my body. <laughs> that's good your body's saying yeah it's, it's, no but like also have I gone back no because I have limited like I'm like I feel like um that's also part of it where I was just like well maybe I should try harder but also I'm like uh, but also why I just not <laughs> if I just sit around but dragon boating seems like really cool and interesting because I'm like yeah especially with vision loss you don't often feel like you can be sort of free and like sometimes if you have mobility concerns and like you're not you're not super certain of how to move in your body um yeah that was luckily for me I like I like I was involved in like some sports not really very much team sports but I did like tennis as a kid and then I did swimming and some other stuff and so that's kind of stuff that I've been able to keep up um and then Re- like not recently but like at the beginning of the times like I started doing like a yoga class and then um like the soccer size class which is just basically like a 
dance mm-hmm. it's basically like a dance class and like i was like uh, like i think um, the the trainer that i have the um the instructor were they you. were they uh, catering to your vision loss that's the beauty of it like the so the soca size instructor um she um like i met her like she's from saint lucia and everything um and so she was doing it with me like very soon after um i i i started doing vision like i, I started like joining into the vision loss community mm-hmm. and she also learns a bit and she's like a dance instructor as well um and so she also learns a little bit more about how to like um like basically articulate things in a way that made sense to at least me and then mm. there were other folks of vision loss because she does um she does a class with like the saint lucia blind welfare association there These as are well great ways to stay connected to um not only just to like sports and recreation and physical fitness but also mm-hmm. staying within our community because i know when i did the dragon boating and joined the sports and even the dancing because i did belly dancing and oh my days you are filled with surprises i love it <laughs> i love all of this but it's uh, uh, you know other ways to stay within the um non-disability community as well as it to us lgbt you know q community as well like there, you got to find ways to meet people be in the community um navigate because i think part of that whole thing is us as well it starts from the inside so i i strongly feel that we have to kind of be able to figure out how to ask for what we need as people with vision loss and to verbalize it. And the only way we're able to ask for what we need is if we're in that community. So like, even when I was a, a captain of the, of, of the dragon boat team, um, my first year doing it, there were some things that, you know, obstacles I came across as a person with vision loss, like even just going to get our times. Okay. These are what our times are. I had to, I had, um, a partner that I met through dragon boating who was very accommodating. Um, and it's so funny because part of that was me, um, wanting to get back into the community because I was living in a, you know, predominantly hetero community. And I thought, well, now it's time for me to get back on the horse, meet some people. And that was a great gateway for me to meet other people so that's where I met my partner that I was with for two and a half years and she was fantastic like in the beginning um she knew that I had vision loss obviously we were getting to know each other but um one day it was so funny I said to her I said oh I said uh so she we were walking towards the boat I said you know I said I printed out all of the instructions that I have to share with the team Mm -hmm. and I said and I didn't want to bring my iPhone which is accessible for me because I don't want if we go overboard I'm not losing a thousand that's your whole phone it's not happening why so I I was sitting here thinking how am I going to be a captain and so you know and then I said to her I said you know, I printed it all out. I said, but would you be open to if I point at something? So kind of using her like my iPhone. I said, if I point at this, can you uh, tell your me? Your own human screen reader. Yeah. <laughs> I said, just whisper in my ear, like tell me lowly what it is. And she'd say, yeah, I can do that. And I said, really? And then she said, yeah. And this was before we started dating. And this is how it happened that we started to date afterwards because 
she was helping me. I would print out my notes and I would just point. And she's so funny. She was very comical. So then I'd point and then she would tell me and then I would tell everybody and go and I'd go to the next line. And she started to just do that. And then at the end, she would say, because I was so process focused, making sure as a captain would, making sure everybody's all in line. This is what we're doing. This we've got all the checks box, eyes dotted and T's crossed. And then she would whisper, have fun, tell the team to have fun. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So we made a great team that way. And so it's just funny, I think, like how we kind of incorporate the whole thing. So I felt really lucky because that that group of women on Dragon Pride were so accepting of me and they were truly, truly wonderful to me as a person with vision loss, but they seen all aspects of me. So, yeah. Oh my days and it's well deserved i mean like honestly it just getting uh, like the idea of getting onto a, a boat right now is to me um like an like i can't see my, i can't i can't imagine because it seems like like i was like oh you mean like like but like that's on a boat like you mean on the water like with like you can fall <laughs> into water <laughs> yes but like what do you know it can be deep like i don't oh. It's so funny. So, so tell me, how, how um, are you, when you're thinking about getting back into the 2SLGBT community or dating, how, how do you, how do, there's so many avenues now, there's social media, there's online dating, there's in person now that things are opening up. How do you? Yeah, for me, I have been, I guess, I don't know if lucky or unlucky, where um, most of my partners in the past have just been like based on like other stuff that I was already kind of doing so like I met my first the, the first partner like in school and then after that I met somebody like while I was doing like um what was I doing like I was doing like a writing class like a writing workshop sort of thing and that's how we met and so it wasn't like it wasn't like I I felt like I was like oh I don't know how to put an effort in because <laughs> way it's like a meet cute exactly but like now I'm like oh shoot if I want to meet somebody I have to make an effort like there isn't yeah. just like people aren't just gonna show up at your door or like show up at your, at your right you mean if I'm sitting at home eating popcorn and Netflix I'm not gonna meet anybody it's just like oh <laughs> yeah literally one of my friends was saying like Lucy you haven't done anything how can you meet anybody and you're inside of your house you're not doing it like I'm like yeah but they should know that I'm here <laughs> like I'm here. No, am I not here? I'm quite clearly here. But like I've done online dating, um, which has been um I think How an does experience. that go with vision loss? Uh it's an experience. I have never done it. I think about it, but I think it's kind of like false advertising for me. I don't really know. You see, that's the thing. Like, I always felt like I was like, oh, how do I like I feel like it shouldn't be the first thing. Um, but then I've like okay so I have also had the experience of seeing somebody else with vision loss I guess and how they've navigated it and then so honestly what I did was like um in my first thoughts stay into it like I was like I'm gonna give this six weeks I'm gonna give myself six weeks to do this I'm gonna try to meet at least three people and that's what I did and then after the six weeks I met three people and then I mean it didn't work out great I still keep but in you touch. Did with, it though. Yeah, That's I keep some, yeah. I, exactly. I kept in touch with like maybe one of the people that I started speaking to that way. And then it was just like, oh, okay, so I can do it. And then how I like did like the I guess the disclosure bit or like the 
acknowledging mm-hmm. the vision loss thing i just made sure that at least one of my pictures had like a, a cane pic- or something yeah a cane or something but which is also not super understood <laughs> in no. terms of most people are just like oh i don't i didn't know what that was i thought that was just like a prop <laughs> I've literally had someone say come to me and be like, oh, okay. Um Yeah, I, I just, didn't think see, that was that's real. why I'm doing the activity. Like I was thinking maybe I'll join a book club or I'm into the activity because I don't know how to get across, you know, how to by the way I'm blind. Across. By the way, I'm blind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might be looking at you through this, you know, Zoom meeting, but uh yeah as far as it goes basically yeah like yeah and I think also it's actually quite helpful because I feel like often um at least when I went on a few dates because I went out on dates with like men women and like folks who identify just like on the spectrum of Mm -hmm. things and so like I found it was just like very interesting to know how like just like the different interactions were very different like I found that with men it was just like oh so how can we fix like how like basically how it does it affect me personally (laughs) like how is it going to make things different for me and then for women it was more just like okay so yeah that's a thing I guess um I guess you won't be doing any of the driving that's fine (laughs) I guess (laughs) Yeah, yeah um but it wasn't it wasn't really difficult like it was just it was just part of the I feel like everyone has trouble dating especially online or like on the internet and stuff so so I've just come to the conclusion that yeah I'm just going to have to hope that um like just sitting at home someone is going to meet me someone is going to just find me at my house somehow some way that's how that's going to have to work I don't Um, think I can do the online I I um, I'm still part of the meetup emails and I know that um not everybody's doing that but I get three different can't imagine you can do dragon boating and you can't do or like (laughs) well the meetups are good but I so I did do them and I had some fun they had different things so you know they do the hiking the camping the comedy clubs the you know all of those things and when I had a vision mate I which was awesome she was really amazing so we we already kind of outlined some of the things she could help me with in the beginning and then I asked her if she would be open to helping me get to some of the meetup groups and she said she was totally fine with that Um, so I said really all I need is um, if you could help me get there I'll get the address get there and help me find the group and then um, then you can go you don't have to stay just I just need help a sighted guide to get there and find everybody and then eventually I started doing where I'd connect with the organizer ask them if they had a buddy system or if they could meet me someplace and so I slowly started to this is why I think that knowing yourself as a person with vision loss and what you need is really important so then um, I started asking for more support and then I felt more comfortable just kind of doing it on my own but in the initial part of it using a vision mate was really how uh, accessing a vision mate rather than using <laughs> but using it yeah I was just using her <laughs> I don't think she'd be so happy about that we're so I'm so lucky I'm so fortunate that we're still friends and she's such a great person to me honestly I you know that I, I really promote that vision mate program because you never know who you might meet and it's such a great way to um 
increase accessibility in your life. And, um, but yeah, I, I, I have such a beautiful friend out of that um, program. But, uh, and she also raised my independence and I was able to join some of those meetup groups, but I haven't, I haven't done them recently since COVID because I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to do this now? Do I go back to doing the meetup groups? Am I going to try to do it online? I just don't feel like online is for me, but I know that's where, then that's when I'm thinking, okay, people are going to start calling me old fashioned or something because I got to get up with the times and, you know, do this social media it's stuff. It's not old fashioned. It's just like, it's like a <sighs> fully, it's a wholly different beast like I feel like anyone would be like this is very different like it's very it's a bit like it's not even very much I don't even know if it would be considered old-fashioned just like it's just it's quite strange it's quite wild it's like a weird video game like even while I was doing I was like this is quite exhausting because yeah because you're just like oh okay but I I think and are those platforms even accessible? Well, the ones that are like, um, at least I know Tinder is pretty accessible. Um, but that's if you've more. got vision, because you still got to look and swipe. Right, I no, think... but like you can kind of do, um, okay, so now how it works is that you can add like, uh, okay, so how, I usually, how I've used it in the past, basically, was like, I, you can literally set it up so that, um, Siri will send the image like one of the images you can choose one of the images like you can choose it because I use an iPhone so I, I guess it might be different on uh, the other devices but you can choose a picture and you can send it to somebody and be like is this person attractive but you, most people have like pretty <laughs> or no in our community we just call up Ira <laughs> <laughs> or view my eyes and say hey can tell you... me what this person looks like are they is attractive this... Are they, yeah, but like most people have like pretty decent profiles, like actual setups and stuff. And you're like, oh, is that funny? Okay, fine. Okay, let's just see how this goes. But also it's, yeah, but also, yeah, I like, I think that the best thing that I did was to just set a time limit on it. I'm like, okay, I'm doing this for six weeks. And then after that, I'm out. I'm going to show slowly walk away from this after the six weeks. But it's good that you did that because six weeks is a good is a good time because I'm always like I'm in employment services. So I always say to people, it's three strikes and then you're out. You can't go once and then say (laughs) it's not for me because the first time you're really uncomfortable, you're awkward, just like, oh, my God, how do I navigate this place? Like and and I'm, you know, and if you're not, you know, we all have kind of when you're meeting new people right and then the second time exactly yeah and then the second time you're just like okay now that I know how to navigate the space as a person with vision loss you know I'm still kind of bumbling around but now I've also got that social kind of interaction thing on top of it a lot of people have difficulty going into a room cold and then trying to make friends whether that be at a bar or at a at a a, um, cocktail party or at a job fair or you know all those social places right but with vision loss you you try to put yourself yeah (laughs) you try to put yourself out there like oh this is weird and uncomfortable (laughs) right who am I who am I going to talk to is that even a person or is that like a pillar (laughs) exactly (laughs) literally me walking into a place and then walk and then walking back out but then like walking basically directly into the window as opposed to like the door that I thought which was which was a sliding door cool (laughs) 
which is a slightly though and then I was like well that's something and that's actually the only person I still talk to now because they were just like that was actually hilarious you literally just walked right into that door I was like I know but then I feel like that's part of it we're just like being able to be a little bit embarrassed and you're like oh my days I am this but, I this is disturbing. I need a drink. I and to be able that. to laugh at yourself or to to get to pull it off, I think is another oh thing gosh. too. Because you, oh you go gosh. you had to go through the embarrassment and then turn around and then be like Hi, that everybody. definitely happened. <laughs> <laughs> the whole world is a catwalk and I'm on it. <laughs> this, is, this is this is for this is this is for the lols. Like just once that doesn't end up on like a viral TikTok video, I think we're okay. When I think about what I'd want to say to people with vision loss um, from our community in terms of resources or, you know, moving forward, I I think of, um, I would definitely, because we've talked a little bit about um, different intersecting identities, Mm -hmm. to try to really connect with, feed those different kind of identities. So if it's, you know, being within the racialized community and the black community or the Hispanic community, you know, just doing that. If it's about being in the 2SLGBT community or being in the vision loss community, trying to really find what that activity is or um, that would be my thing. Like for me, it was sports and as my vision was decreasing, really trying to find ways that I could maintain my physical activity and mm-hmm. be a part of the 2SLGBT community. So I kind of put those things together. I love cycling. I love dragon boating. I love running. So how can I do this within the 2SLGBT community so I can meet people more organically and be sort of in the community so I'm not kind of lost? Yes, for sure. Like, I can see how that would be the case. Like, for me, I would just say, like, it's okay to do stuff, uh, like, ironically. Like, like I feel like there's so many things that I've done, and I was like, this is dumb. I don't actually care about any of the things that I'm about to do, but I am still going to do it. And just being able to, like, be like, yeah, this it might not be specifically something that you're super interested in. Like, I definitely did, like, um like a pottery class that I had no interest in. And I still, I'm, not, I'm still not sure what I made it wasn't really very good now I want to see this thing that you made did you keep it it's not it's so terrible like I think it's a paperweight I want to see it it's not good and I accept it I was like and like when I gave it to my like one of my friends and she was just like is this this is a choice like that you make this is a like you did like was this a mistake it's just like was this what were you trying to make I, I was like I don't is know is this a mistake <laughs> But I'm you're so- open to trying different things. That's exactly. that's fun. That's fun. Yeah, just try it. Try it. Do it. Even if you're not sure as to how it's going to go. And then always just give yourself a bit of space to like figure it out. Even if you have to set like hard boundaries, like I'm going to go to try this three times. I like this three times rule, three strikes yeah. and then you're out. So what's a rule yeah. where you're just kind of going to try it. I think sort of kind of like in closing, I, I feel like all of us as human beings have to kind of put ourselves out there in those safe kind of calculated ways. So, you know, you're building, Mm -hmm. building your confidence, but for sure, as people with vision loss, I feel like we do have to overcome a little bit more obstacles and think and maybe plan a little bit more, but it's so worth it. And you don't really know 
what kind of who, who you might meet and what kind of miracles are out there. I call them miracles only because it's those unexpected, beautiful things that you didn't really think you know you needed. And exactly. so they come out in people. And when you meet different people, you're just like, oh my God. And even if they're not a partner, they could be a friend that you have for exactly. life. Exactly. That's so beautiful and amazing. And just to be out in the community, it's so much better to be making those connections and it's worth it to put yourself out there in a in a safe way in a small integrated safe way for you I think Mm -hmm. I like it I I, you I definitely 100% agree always just like it's okay it's okay if you made a a a bad paperweight I'm honestly feeling like I should (laughs) share a picture of this paperweight I want to see it that should be the picture for this episode where it's just like oh make make yourself a bad paperweight I mean you might not have anything to show for it except a good story I mean I definitely think that it's always a good idea to like let your give yourself some space even if you like I need to take some time off from doing it but giving yourself the ability to just try new things it's always I, I, I like the idea of it being little miracles where you're like yeah yeah you're just trying 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 it out even for a little bit will be always good it's been such a great time I'm so happy that we're celebrating uh uh lesbian Vis- visibility week and then also we're getting to celebrate pride month in a couple weeks there I know it's been such a pleasure speaking with you Terry Lynn like you are an absolute rock star I really do enjoy it. I was like, oh yeah, look at this. I was like, wait, now you now you do Dragon Boating, now you do all of this other stuff. Now you also like an amazing person. And it's just been such a great time talking with you. Oh, and- I can't wait until we do it again, Lucy. You were so fantastic to speak with too. And uh, it was really nice to get to know you and learn about all the things that you're you're doing and into. And we gotta do this again. Yeah, yeah. Let's just take over this podcast. This is not our podcast. Bye, Nisha. Bye. Bye, Ben. Bye, Nisha. <laughs> and then, yeah, if you guys wanted to know a bit more about some resources, I'm pretty sure um, Nisha, we're gonna give them some extra work to do tonight, um, as well. So put those in the show notes for you. Um, and it's been a great time. Yeah, guys, have yourself a great Pride. Happy Pride, everyone.